We're back for season two. Yes, it's bigger. It's badder. It's... Oh, just get on with it. Bad scripts. Hello and welcome back to Bad Scripts presents The Last Resort, season two. Joining me as ever, the wonderfully ironic and some might say iconic. I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time. Here he is. It's none other than Mr. Mike Garlier. Good evening, Hello. Mike. Hi, Steve. Thank you for calling me both ironic and iconic. Uh, is it because that rhymed? It was because the words just wouldn't come out of my mouth properly. So, yes, you got both of them. That's I guess you're, you. you're ironic in that you're older than me, but that you look so youthful. I think that's ironic. There we go. So that's why I'm digging that hole much quicker than I can uh, can cope with. Um, have you had a good week? It's been a yeah. You know, yes, it's been a, it's been a good week. Um, a disastrous weekend, but a good week. Uh, uh, do you want to elaborate on that? Is that something we're going to share? I don't know. If, um, so I've, I've discovered a new hobby, and I I figured uh, why not treat myself. So I spent quite a bit of money on a drone because when I was a kid, I always had the dream of, um, you know, wanted to be an RAF pilot and following the footsteps of my, my grandparents and stuff like that. And I never quite, quite achieved that. So I figured I'll do the next best thing and I'll buy, I'll buy a drone. And then I took it all the way down to the park with me and I was flying this drone and having such a good time on its maiden voyage. And uh, I lost it. It's gone forever. <laughs> so, sorry, what you, so you were, you were playing it what on on a controller on your phone or something? Well, it was both. So the camera, the camera, um, so the, the drone connects to the phone through like a Wi-Fi signal. So you connect it through that, and it means it can fly. So you mount the phone under the controller, so you can yeah. see the camera, and you can operate the camera independently from from the flying bit. Yeah. Um, what I didn't realize, and I'm sure if there's any drone enthusiasts out there, they would have told me the biggest mistake. So one. Um, I probably shouldn't have flew it as high as I did trying to get a good shot of the, the canal and the, the areas. And I was like, oh, God, this is really good. Um, secondly, I didn't take into account wind, not from me, but from <laughs> atmospherics. And what happened was basically there was a big strong gust of wind and it, and it took the drone. And um, because of that, because it went too far away, I then lost the signal to my phone, which means I couldn't operate the drone. And the wind just carried on taking it and it disappeared. I was even chasing, I was running and there were some oh, kids no. like there going, it's still, it's still in the air, but I was like, it's still in the air. You can see it. So I was like running trying to find it. And then I really panicked. because I thought if it goes beyond this park, I'm okay if it lands in the river, but if it lands on the main high street road, Oh, gosh, with cars could, going up and down i could you could injure accident. somebody or anything I could. You? wow so I, I was, and then i thought and if that happens i can't go there so i'm gonna have to just disappear so um as it turned out about an hour later i gave up my tail between my legs and uh, and had to admit that i just spent 200 pounds on a drone which i immediately lost and there's no way to sort of go around town with you with your phone and controller <laughs> trying to reconnect and see if it'll, well, it'll take off I, again. I try. And, and at one point I got a really weak signal and then the it, it cut out so I couldn't find it. So um, a, key, a key lesson here. So one thing, I'm sure these drones are meant to land automatically to lose a signal. And mm-hmm. secondly, 
the, 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 it's meant to take a picture of its last known location and send me it so I can then see it. Um, but it didn't do either. So what it did do was go up in the sky, it waited for its move, and then it freaking escaped. And it knew <laughs> what it was doing. It was symbiote. <laughs> it was it was sentient. It was, it was rising up against the overlords, the it human did. overlords. So it did, and now oh it's my. flying somewhere over uh, over over Gretna. <laughs> it's off to marry a lamppost. Who knows? We don't know what's going on there. Now, I, I mean, on a serious note, I would contact the manufacturer and say, "Look, it didn't do these two things, and now I've not got a drone, and literally it was my first <laughs> flight." And they might take pity on you. Uh, and might. two, next time, just take it steady. Stick in to what Scotland, I know, right? it's going to be windy, right? Yeah, so... stick to what I know. <laughs> don't don't go buying drones and thinking oh. I can fly it. I even I was even wearing a captain hat as well. Oh, I went all well, out. A pilot's, went all out. pilot's hat was it? Or was it a pilot's hat? Yeah. To, it wasn't a boat captain one. See, this is one. why I this is why I don't fly planes. I can't even get the terminology right. So yeah, no, that that, that was me. What about you, Steve? How was your how was your weekend? Uh it was good. Yeah, it was. I mean. Uh, um, uh, as you'll know, I'm English, so we were listening to, uh, well, we're watching the the European Championship finals, and the the Lionesses winning the championship was was just incredible, incredible thing to watch. Sat there with my daughter watching that. Uh, she's a massive football fan. We're both season ticket holders at our local club, so she really enjoyed that, and so did I. You know, you, you got goosebumps um, just watching that stuff. So, really enjoyable weekend on that front. Had a bit of dinner, and now my children are on holiday with my mother. So they're not here. So I have wow. a, a house with no children in it, which it, it feels incredibly quiet and things are where I put them and, and there's no mess. So it's great. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, yeah, incredible victory. Um, I know we don't really talk real world events um, that, are, that are current in this particular podcast, but it's worth just giving a little bit of recognition to these uh, very inspiring ladies that have just done so well uh, throughout the entire tournament. And uh, yeah, it was really hard not to feel a little lump in your throat when you saw them lift that trophy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So back to bad scripts, back to the last resort, more importantly. Uh, back great, to summer anthems. Yeah, great response uh, to the question last week. Uh, so we're inundated with people's choices of, of, uh, of their summer anthems. Um, do, do you want to hear what the top three I, I, I would really, because I've not seen anything that's come through because I'm not on Twitter. So I'm really um, excited to see what, what, what we're getting and whether I even recognise the song. So hit yeah. me, Steve. Okay. So, One I mean, I feel time. like I should be doing some sort of Tony Blackburn in a number three. Um, yeah, so uh, number three was uh, Playing With The Boys, Kenny Loggins. That from was, the film Top Gun. From Top Gun, very relevant yeah. um, these days. So, yes, that was number three. At number two was Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot. Um, hot, 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 wait. Yeah. Is that Feeling Hot, Hot, Hot? That's the one. Well, the Is mic. that it? Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Good. I know the words. Yeah. And number one, believe it or not, would you care to guess what it might be, Mike? Oh, what could number one be? So feeling hot, 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 number two. Kenny Just be Loggins careful. Number three. I don't want any careless yeah. whispers on this one. Okay. Oh, that's a clue, isn't it? It might be. So it's not wake me up before you go. Is it full? No, if you feel it... like if you need to step outside, then then that's fine. We can let's we can, let's go outside, in fact. No, in, in fact, it was it was full wham. Ridgely full. and Michael. It was Club Tropicana. Trub, Trub, Trub Tropicana. Club Tropicana is so free. Yeah, the drinks are, yeah, absolutely fun and laughter, and, uh, dancing for everyone. 
Exactly, and that's probably why you couldn't pronounce it properly because of all the free drinks. So it's all good. That is amazing. So uh, yeah, that really actually good summer anthems then. Yeah, um, all, all ones that you know. Once you've had a couple of sherbets around the pool, are going to get you having a little bit of a boogie. So thank you everybody that that uh, sent in their summer anthems. We had loads. So sorry we couldn't mention them all, but thank you to everybody that uh, did. You did you get any ones. like really obscure ones that you just didn't know that you had to Google? Oh, oh, several, several that I was like I've never heard of that song. <laughs> um, but you know what? That's 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 what that's what's amazing about the world of music is that all those variety of tastes and there's something for everybody. So that's all good. Right then, I think it's time that we need to get back on resort and find out what's going on down at camp holidays. It's the morning after, the night before. So why don't we see what's cracking? Interior caravan morning. Adam and Dan are sleeping on the couch. The empty bottle of whiskey discarded on the floor. The TV snowing and hissing. Dan's mobile phone starts ringing and after a few moments stops, we see 17 missed calls on the LCD display. The boys continue sleeping as Dan's phone starts ringing yet again. Adam wakes up and looks at his watch. Oh shit, Dan, Dan wake up, Dan. Dan bolts upright, his mobile launching across the caravan. He winces as the hangover headache hits him. We're late, really late. Oh, oh man, my head hurts. Adam gets up and walks to Paul's room. He bangs on it. After no answer, he opens the door. The room's empty. Paul's not here. Come on, Dan, get ready. We're going to have to spin this as best we can. Oh, oh, oh why wouldn't Paul wake us up? Maybe he did. But we were too shit-faced to notice. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. Dan collects his phone from the floor and peers with one eye at the screen. Dan calls Donna's number. <sighs> Donna? Yeah, I'm, I'm so sorry, babe. I, no, I'm with Adam. I, I crashed at his van. Yeah, yeah. Oh, last night. Yeah, oh, I didn't want to disturb you. Yeah. Well, I'll see you later. Donna? Oh, she's not happy, mate. What are we going to do? Let's just stick together on this. Kelly is going to have our asses for sure. What are you supposed to be on? Funfair. With you. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on. We can save this. Let's get going and see why Paul didn't wake us. All right. I'll just brush my teeth. No time for that. Dan throws Adam his shirt. Here, have a mint. Let's go. The boys leave the caravan. Door swinging open as they do so. Interior, funfair office, day. Paul is slumped across his desk, nursing his martini headache. A line of saliva hangs limply from his open mouth as he breathes heavily. The door opens and he bolts upright, trying to appear like he's been alert the entire time. Haley enters the office. Hi, Paul. Oh, yeah. Hi. Can I get the keys to the Dragon Coaster? Uh, is that what you're on? 
It is indeed. Next three hours. Paul picks up his clipboard and looks at the rotor. He scans down it, observing the names. He picks up his pen and scratches some names out and starts writing. He speaks to Haley without looking up. Uh, change of plan. Uh, you're now on the Dodgems. Go uh, get Greg from the Flying Kites to join you. Uh, CDs are already over there. Paul throws the keys and a plastic whistle across the desk. Dodgems? I've <laughs> been on that before. Uh, it's not hard. Just stay off the floor when it's on. Uh, keep the punters from ramming each other and play some banging tunes. Amazing. <laughs> this is so exciting. We never get to run the Dodgems. Well, your lucky day then. Haley turns to leave, smiling. Paul sighs as the door bursts open again. Adam and Dan enter the office, looking worse for wear. You're both late. I should write you up and report you in. <laughs> late? We've been with you, mate. Yeah, why didn't you try to wake us up? <laughs> Not my job. What? Do I look like I should be responsible for you two? That's a proper dick move. You're responsible for yourselves. Don't drink if you can't take it. You both look like crap and you smell like a drip tray. <laughs> you can talk, mate. Have you seen the state of you? Paul, listen. Did the ENTS office know that we're late? No. They called looking and I said you were here. Really? Oh, look. Thanks, mate. Don't thank me. It's a one-off. If it happens again, I'll hand you over. I'm not your babysitter. No, but you're meant to be a mate. I, I, I am your mate. We live together, have an occasional laugh, but when it comes to work, I'm the supervisor. That's it. Dan looks angry, and Adam steps in. Oh, look, no problems, Paul. We get it, OK? Thanks for covering. It won't happen again. Can we get the keys to the Dodgers, please? We're both on it today. Paul smiles and throws two sets of keys across the desk. That's that's not the Dodgem keys. Change of plan. Dan, you're on dragons. Adam on kites. Double shift, lads. Sorry. They both look at Paul, who is smiling gleefully. That's not fair. Life ain't fair. Maybe next time you'll be on time. Adam picks up both sets of keys and leaves without saying anything. Dan glares at Paul for a few moments before following. They leave the office as Paul drops his head back on the desk and snuggles in for a nap. Ooh, wow. Wow. opinion then. Wow. What's your opinion of Paul and his... Uh, he, 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 so we didn't wake them up, but he's, <laughs> he covered their asses in the office. It's like... What, what was that about? He's just using that as leverage, isn't he? He's, he didn't wake them up, clearly. He just went off to work, despite the fact he was partying with them and he drank all that drink. Hmm. Um, and then has a go at them for looking and smelling like that. I think he's just uh, asserting his authority um, in that respect. And that did happen, believe it. Like, <laughs> yeah, Steve, this we is, live with this man. This that did happen. Occurrence, yeah. So, um, <laughs> but that's, that's one of those things, isn't it? It's like, yes, each person, he's technically right, 
that if you need to go to work and you can't get yourself out of bed, it isn't someone else's responsibility to get you out of bed and get you to work on time. But it does feel if you're mates with someone like a bit of a dick move, if you're ready to go and you walk past them and don't go, yeah, mate, do you want to wake up? You need to be in the office. Um, then, you know, but hey, he still saved their asses and Kelly didn't find out yet. Just, I, don't think we could, I don't think we could take that drama, to be honest with you. But Steve, I do have a question to ask you based on this situation. Right. Have you ever been in a situation like this where you've had a few too many the night before and then you wake up late for work? Well, I think you just said this happened to us directly, so you kind of answered your own question there. <laughs> yeah, didn't apart you? from this, apart from this <laughs> situation. Well, as you know, Mike, I don't, I don't drink alcohol. I haven't done for quite a long, long time. Um, so no, this has never really happened to me. I've never been um, late for work like that because I guess I was always a bit. I was brought up to be really uber conscious about being tardy, so. Um, I'm always early or exactly on time for things, um, much to some people's annoyance, but I always see it as a sign of respect. So I, I try and be on time for anything. What about you, Mike? Um, there's probably too, too many times to mention, <laughs> but as I live with someone who was very conscious and, uh, and was also very responsible, present company included to this one <laughs> and you're always going to get me to work now getting me to do the job while I was at work was another struggle so I, mm. I became very very as we've talked about before I became very acquainted with the uh with the toilet stalls and figured out a way that if I could uh you know put my fleece down and you know my jacket I can make it quite a nice cozy bed and uh, lock that cubicle door and just uh, close my eyes and try and get a few sneaky extra hours in I did do that a few times I must have so Camco Mikey nest. That what we're yes. calling it. <laughs> if anyone, I mean, if anyone had looked over and seen me, um, I'm probably like a right old state, but I just about managed to get away with it, and then suddenly turn up for the last half an hour of of duty and look like I've been there all along. For those in the know, like you, Steve, would just give me that look as if to say, "Yeah, you have, you've not been around at all." Yeah, that here's us covering for you again while you're getting paid. I know. Um, I know. <laughs> Okay. But it's a horrible feeling. Like you do forget that horrible feeling. I'm sure our listeners have been in that situation yeah. where you do wake up and you think, I had one too many last night mm. and I've got to go to work and I've got to try and disguise the fact that I'm a little bit sensitive. And that's <laughs> the longest days in the world to get through. Yeah. And you just crave your bed. Do you, know, do you know what the worst bit is when you wake up and you think you've, you think you've got away with it, but actually you're just still drunk? And then as the day wears on, it gets worse and worse and you're you're out of home. There's nothing you can do about it. The, the, there's one worse than that. There's, there's one worse. Bum. The, the worst one is waking up and not remembering the last hour of the night and then getting the fear <laughs> of, oh, my God, what did I do? And I need to talk to people, start texting people to go, everything all right? Anything happened last night? <laughs> yeah. Did you have a good night? Just speculatively throw that one in there. Everyone have a good time. Has anything happened? You know, no, that's always conferences. You get the fear after conferences to go, crikey, did I say anything to management or, uh, or the leadership? Yeah. Mike, we'll save those stories for another time. I think we've got a couple of those that you can tell from your most more recent history that we can share on that front. I'm a very well-behaved boy now. <laughs> Great. Well, let's move on. Interior Entertainment's Office day. The office is bustling with activity. Mark is on the phone. Wayne's desk is empty. Kelly then sits at it and goes back to writing out a rota. 
Bernie is listening to some music, imagining the choreography. Judy is talking to Daisy over some costumes, and Karen is drinking a cup of tea. Will this material be robust enough? They contort themselves in some pretty extreme positions. Oh, eh? It's Lycra, stretchy lake. Oh, I know it's Lycra, Daisy. What about the colours? Well, ah, well, we can go in any colours you want, Lake. I know. I, I'm looking for a suggestion. Oh, well, uh, gold would be good, Lake. No, too gaudy. I'm thinking more unique. Oh, red? Is that unique? <laughs> Judy, Judy, Judy. This is so painful. Why don't you make a decision for once and tell Daisy what you want? The poor girl can't read minds, you know. Was I asking for your opinion, Bernie? <laughs> no, darling, you never do. I think that's part of the problem. Well, you stick to your show and I'll stick with my several, OK? <laughs> whatever you want, darling, whatever you want. Karen stands up from her desk and walks around, heading towards the centre of the office. And, and just off to Lou, if anyone wants me, I shouldn't be long. Karen is largely ignored as she leaves the office. Interior, ends department, corridor, day. Karen strides purposefully down the corridor, smiling and greeting a plethora of staff who are busy doing their duties. She reaches the women's toilets, and just as she is about to step in, the door opens. A camp coat called Sally is stood there, looking upset, tears still flooding down her face. Are you, uh, are you all right, love? Oh, hi, Karen. I'm fine. It's just a uh, hair fever. Oh, I've got some, um, I've got some, um, um, uh, Antihistorectomy tablets here. Would you like one? Karen rummages around in a bag and pulls out some tablets, offering them to Sally. I don't think we've been properly introduced, love. Yes. Sally, I'm new. Hello, Sally. I'm Karen. I know. Everyone knows you. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you want one then? Yeah. Will they fix outbreaks as well? Karen looks at Sally, puts the tablets back in her purse and takes Sally by the hand. You come with me. Karen guides Sally to a small supply cupboard. They both step inside as Karen closes the door behind them. Interior, Ents department, cupboard, day. Sally blows her nose loudly from the tissues that Karen hands her. So just to recap then, You've had three dates with the lifeguard. You spent the night together and you haven't been in touch. It wasn't the full night, more like an hour. And it wasn't like date dates. We just got off with each other a few times and he took me to his chalet and I shagged him. No biggie. Right, well, it's their own, you know, but can I ask? If it don't mean how, why are you so upset? Because my boyfriend got really mad and dumped me. What? You, you've got a boyfriend? No, not anymore. Sally starts sobbing again. Well, 
not the side of doing it myself, to be honest, but why did you tell him? I didn't need to. It just came out in conversation. Karen hands Sally another tissue. How old are you, Sally? Nineteen. You're still young. At your age, it's okay to make mistakes. Maybe thinking about staying single, you know, until you figure out what you really want. I just want to have some fun. Well, it sounds like you're doing that already. Is that, is that bad? Listen, you can do as you like, as long as you stay safe and nobody gets hurt. Sally hugs Karen. Oh, thanks, Karen. And you know what? You're so right. Why should I be trapped in a relationship? There's plenty of boys out there, tons of opportunities, lifeguards, security, kitchen courts, lots of life to live. That's not quite what I meant, Sally. <laughs> you really have a way of putting things into perspective. <laughs> Thank you, Karen. <laughs> That's okay. Now, go on. Back to your duties. Karen and Sally step back into the corridor. Interior, Ents Department, Corridor, Day. Karen leaves Sally and walks back towards the women's toilets. She approaches the door when her walkie-talkie radio activates. It's time in Sophie's come in. There's a long pause. Hello, anybody there? Who is this? You're supposed to say over. Over. It's Paula. Over. Karen reaches into a bag and pulls out the radio. Go for Karen. Over. Oh, Karen, thank God. Uh, we have a first aid emergency down here. There's another long pause. Paula, Jesus, you need to say over. Over. Right, yeah, uh, I, I, I'll get it. Okay. Over. Where are you? There's another long pause. Over. Just outside by the entrance to the pavilion. There's another long pause. Say over, for God's sake. Over. Over. I'm over this conversation for fuck. What did you say? Sake. Over. I've got it, Wayne. I'm on my way down here. Karen immediately heads to the stairs, putting the radio back into a bag. Over! Exterior, main pavilion, day. Karen strides straight to the scene. Stood there is Paula, and lying on the floor is a male camp coat, writhing in pain. What's happened? Well, the kids were jumping all over us, and he took one to the nugs quite badly, though. Nooks. My balls. He swung on them like he was Tarzan. Oh, the pain. I think he's pulled one of them off. Okay, love. Relax a little. Remember, there's folks walking around. When did this happen? I was about five minutes ago. Okay. Uh, do you think you'll be able to get up and walk? Walk? I can barely breathe. Oh, it's done some proper damage. There goes me future kids. Right. Karen takes the radio out and lifts it to her mouth, changing the channel. 
Karen to security, over. Go for Bob, over. Hi, Bob. Got a situation in Main Pavilion. Can you get someone out here with the buggy pronto? Over. Uh, right, you are, Karen. ETA 90 seconds, over and out. Right, we need to get him to the medical centre. Paula, can you go with him? Uh, wouldn't it be better if, uh, you know, one of the lads went with him? There's no time for that. Did you do your first aid training? Well, yeah, first week I was here. Good. Be a love and get a bandage from that first aid kit in the pavilion. Paula immediately runs to the entrance close by. We're going to have your writer's room in no time. It really hurts, Karen. I feel so sick. Paula returns, bandages in hand. Great. Now you'll need to wrap it all up. Wrap what up? You know what? It's bits and bubbles, you know, so we can move in. Paula looks at the male camp coat, weighing up her options. Sorry, Canada. Can't you do it? I'm not sure I feel comfortable. The buggy arrives with a bemused-looking security guard. No time. He's here. Who can't he do it? Sorry. Uh, I've got to drive. <laughs> Fine. Sorry, mate. I'll offer to buy you a drink first. Uh, <laughs> just, just be gentle. Paula looks nervous. I'll do me best. Paula wraps the camp coat's groin area in the bandage as he winces with pain. It looks like a giant nappy over the top of his camp coat uniform. Oh, nice work, Paula. Now, come on, let's get you on your feet, mate. Come on. Paula and Karen slowly lift up the camp coat. He winces in pain as he hobbles like a saddle sore cowboy to the buggy. The security guard can't help but let out a slight chuckle as he struggles to sit in the back with Paula. They start driving away. Let me know how you get on, Paula shouts back. Him? Never mind him. I need counselling after this. Karen sighs and waves them away. She puts the radio back in her bag and begins walking towards the entertainment's office. Watch you, my lovely. Yoo-hoo, Karen. Margaret speeds over and breaks short as Karen almost jumps out of the way. That was close, Margaret. I nearly peed myself. You had a busy day? Always. Are you all right? Oh, I'm having the time of my life, I am. What you've done for me has given me a new lease of life. It really has. I'm like a brand new woman, I am. Oh, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Oh, you're here all the time. You might as well earn some pennies. And right you are, my lovely. Right you are. How are you getting on, then? Well, where do I start? Always right for stories, this place. I heard that that Adam is getting about the resort, if you know what I mean. <laughs> Can't have got round them all yet, though. He hasn't got to me. <laughs> that Jacko, you know, works around the hooker duck. He might have knocked up that Shirley from the air salon. She's local. He lives off tonight. Her mum wasn't impressed, though. Between you and me, 
I think she had designs on him herself. Now, what else? Um, I think I've got a bit blank. Well, that's okay, Margaret. Uh, we'll catch up proper another time. I'll best be getting back. Right, you are. Them T-shirts are not going to sell themselves. Margaret speeds off, smiling from ear to ear, and greeting everyone she passes. Karen resumes walking back to the entertainment building, spotting two kids fighting. She detours towards them. What's going on here, then? The boys stop hitting each other and both stare at Karen. What's it to you? I work here. My name's Karen. Where's your mums and dads? We're not allowed to talk to strangers. So why are you hitting each other? Because he's annoying. No, I'm not. The smaller boy pushes the bigger boy, causing them to start fighting again. Boys, boys, calm down. You shouldn't fight. Why? How old are you both? I'm ten. He's eight. And are you brothers? Yeah. And where's your mums and dad? They're at the bingo. Shut up! Do your parents know you're here? I'm looking after my brother. We're allowed to play as long as we stay together. Yeah, but not knocking lumps out of him, are you? Come on then, follow me. Where are we going? To the bingo, back to your parents. No, that'd be mad. They let us come and play. We do it all the time. Karen pauses and looks at them. Then she has an idea. Well, you both look pretty bored. Are you? The younger boy nods his head. The older looks curious. I've got an idea. How would you like to go and visit a place where you get to play with lots of toys? You can do some painting, make some pirate hats and play loads of games. I, I do. I want to do that. I don't. I, I don't. That sounds proper boring. They've got movies and a PlayStation. Has he got a footy game? Karen smiles. I'm not sure. Shall we go and find out? Karen walks off as the two boys stare at her. Are you coming? They follow Karen as she walks ahead of them. Interior, kids club, day. Hi, Karen. It could be, uh, think you could take in a couple of strays? Donna sees the two boys, the younger one looking nervous just behind Karen. Oh, I'm sure we could fit them in. We're just about to start the face painting. Donna addresses the boys. Would you like that? Can I get a lion? <laughs> of course you can. This is Auntie Donna. She'll look after you. You're my auntie. <laughs> have you have you got any footy? Well, there's a table football over there, football football outside, and a games console with football games in the chill out corner over there. Okay, Donna opens the hatch to let the two boys in. What's your parents' names? I know it's mum and dad. Now, what what are their actual names? Uh, Jamie and Bethany Broadley. 
And what's yours? I'm PJ. He's Duncan. Oh, thanks, love. Uh, Donna, can you get a message over to the bingo hall that the lads are here, okay? Yeah, sure. Right away. Thanks. You have fun, boys. Karen waves at them as she leaves the kids' club. Interior, entertainment department, corridor, day. Karen finally makes her way back to the ladies' toilet and opens the door to step in. Daisy accosts her. Karen, have you got a minute, like? Karen sighs and then smiles. She stands fidgeting, desperate for the toilet. Can, can it wait a minute, Daisy, love? I've been, I've been holding on to this for a while. Oh, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah, no, no rush, no rush. Karen hurriedly enters the toilet, closing the door behind her, and we hear slamming of the cubicle doors and the familiar sound of a toilet seat slamming open. Interior, Ent's office, day. Karen re-enters the office. Mark is still at his desk. Wayne has now returned to the office and is eating a sandwich. Judy and Bernie are doing their best to ignore each other. Karen walks back to her desk and sits down. Mark sees her. Everything all right, Karen? You were gone a while. Absolutely fine, Mark. Just a visit to the loo. Must be nice. Your phone's been ringing non-stop. I've left your messages on your desk. Oh, thank you. Where would I be without you, eh? <laughs> Karen smiles to herself as her phone starts ringing once again. And breathe, Steve. Whew. Breathe. Well done. Whew, that was intense. There was a lot of me in that, wasn't there? I do apologise to everybody I had to put up with me and me talking to me. So you really, um, you really filled, you really filled it up there. You really, you really played the parts. Um, thank you. Well done. So the adventures of Karen. I know. I th- we just felt, didn't we, that she needed a little bit of of, of airtime, a little bit of understanding of, you know, just her importance. You know, because Karen does a lot and it goes under the radar. And I think. That's what we tried to portray that, you know, she's kind of the, the glue that holds all, all these people together. Um, I don't know. I don't know what your thoughts are. I think Mike, it's on quiet, this, it? quiet. It's quiet resolution, isn't it? If you look at the journey, if we just recap, I know it gets lost when, when people are trying to listen and hear that, you know, we're, we're throwing in accents left, right and centre. But she goes to the toilet. She gets, she walks into a camp coat, who's really upset. She then counsels her better. She then gets a call for the first day. She then goes out because the camp coat, whose nuts have been done in from that. <laughs> that's the technical term for it. That's the technical term. I, did, I think uh, you'll from, find actually the, the, the real technical term is a dislocated testicle. Dis- yes, well, you would know firsthand for that one, Steve. Yeah. And um, um, because that's also based on true story. And then from there, she has her interaction with Margaret. From Margaret, she then sees the boys. From the boys, she takes them to the kids' club um, and then, uh, you know, gets the parents um, rescued and then makes her way back to the office. There's quite a lot that happens in a really short space of time, and she's still needing the toilet. It is. And, you know, sometimes they say you make your best decisions when you're ready for the loo. I don't know. It's one of those things, isn't it? They say always go into meetings needing the loo and you'll is be able to be a, more creative. And Is that a posh way of just saying shitting it? Well, no, I was thinking more peeing, but you know, that's not uh, let's not let's not bring this podcast down in in in, uh, in, in quality uh, any further than we already have. <laughs> so, in terms of um, the boys, then going back to the boys and and um, working on the fairground, what did you did you used to enjoy your fairground shifts when you got those? Oh no, I absolutely hated it. It was. Yeah. You know, you're you're 
poorly trained, I think is, is you know, you're told how to switch something on and switch it off again and, and to do some shit, you know, I feel sorry. You know, when I go to theme parks, I love theme parks. When I go there and I often look at the staff working there and, uh, and I think, oh, you poor buggers, because it's monotonous. And when, when you're in the heat of the summer as well and you're in like a little kind of glass pod, um, <laughs> especially hungover, it's, it's not a pleasant place to it's, be. It's like your own personal greenhouse, isn't it? Just slowly cooking you. <laughs> and even worse with a hangover i don't i just do you know i don't think we could do it now could you imagine trying to do it now after a really heavy long night out and then you have to go and man a fairground all day and deal with public people and deal with safety and walking around to shake those seat belts and those gates to make sure everything's closed and what you're telling me is you didn't do three years of tap and two years of jazz to be operating a ride you were you know it feels very much like um We've got some cheap labour here, so we're going to rinse it for everything we got. But fortunately, that wasn't always going to be the case, but we thought it needs to be represented in the script a little bit about the monotony of some of the some of the job that we had to endure back in the day. So, And we, um, we got a little bit done over, actually. And, and the reason, and I'm going to explain why, because the story about Adam and Dan being pulled off the dodgems is also accurate and factual. <laughs> because if you remember... Um, your bright idea was to... So I've got to tell everyone this, right? <laughs> Paul lived with us, not by my choice, but Steve somehow ended up having a drink with this guy in a pub and, the, in, and then had this bright brainwave of saying, if, if he moves in with us because we've got a spare room, we'll get really good shifts and we'll get the dodgems all the time. We'll get the... Because mm. that was the one everyone wanted because you get to play music and you get to DJ and you get to fly around on the back of them. You get to be cool, basically. Um, you did. You got to be carny folk, didn't you? So, you no, I mean, folk. can I just explain from my point of view Please. how this works and my perspective on this one? So here, here's how I saw it, right? We had a spare room because the camp coat that was living with us had decided it wasn't for him and he left. We had a spare room. They would have allocated somebody to live with us who we didn't know at some point. So instead of that happening, the cat, uh, the fairground supervisor at the time seemed a nice guy. Okay, obviously th- things can be deceptive when you don't live with them. Um, was chatting to me in the pub, and I thought I did have the brainwave that you know if we get mates with this guy, he's not going to give us the crappy shift because he's got to live with us. So he's going to think, you know. Keep, keep the guys happy and we'll have a happy caravan and what have you. Yeah, that, that really backfired because yeah, if what, anything... What, he what was, actually happened? He, he told us he couldn't give any favouritism and and if he gave us the good the good rides, they would look like favouritism. So he had to always give us the crappy ones. Always um, the crappy always. ones. Always. And I remember <laughs> saying to you, I remember looking at you because you were on the Dragon Coaster and I was on the Sky Kite thing. Yeah. And I just turned to you and went, Great idea, mate. Great hey, idea. The idea was good. It wasn't my fault. It was a dick. So there we go. <laughs> <laughs> so um, and yeah, and then we uh, then we segue nicely into Karen and her adventures. Um, which do you know, Jay, Steve? It was a joy to write that because it was a bit more operational. It's not as political as some of the you know the other scenes that we're doing the stuff that's going well, on with Judy and Bernie and the you know it was nice just to take a step away from the 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 you know the stuff that's going on in the resort yeah right? and I think people will have seen this right so you go on holiday to any of this so any people who haven't been in worked in this industry and you go on holiday to these places and you see people in suits or you know with shirts and stuff just walking around they've got a radio they just they don't look like they're doing anything This is just a little bit of insight into what some of those people's lives, how hectic their days can be. 
and you've got no idea what they're doing but you know what i mean it's like a duck on a pond that they're, they're cruising along slowly but the legs are going like mad so you know it's it's i think it's a nice insight into why karen yes karen's made mistakes karen can be a bit dithery at times but you know what she has got the kindest heart and she works so hard and she cares and she is camp holidays she embodies everything that is good about that place so i think it's it was a little salute to her and all the karens out there let's reclaim that name <laughs> for the good folk um that, that work in these industries so you know we salute you karen and and on that note mike i think it's about time so we we just about got time for you to give us your words of wisdom before the end of today's show so what pearl have you got for us today well, here's my little closing thought on this episode. We, life throws ups and life throws downs. The secret is recognising when you need help. And we all need a Karen in our lives. Question is, who is your Karen? <laughs> and that's it. We're reclaiming the name for good, the good women out there, the good people out there, let's say. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Bad Scripts podcast. We hope to see you next time. Until then, take care. Bad Scripts was written and performed by Mike Garlier and Steve Jones, a Beach Tide production.